Hi guys and welcome to this week's episode of the Three of a Kind podcast. I'm Liam, the Stoke fan, and as ever, I'm with uh, Max, the Foxes follower, and Stuart, the Portsmouth supporter. How are you, gents? Hi, mate. All good? All good, mate. All good. Good, yeah, I'm good, thank you. Not too bad. Um, Right, so we'll start with the, uh, as ever, we'll start with the uh, three best moments from the weekend, our Three of a Kind from the weekend. Uh, Max, I'll let you take the light first. Yep, certainly. Um, I'm going to be talking about a team close to my heart because of the manager. Um, Watford, for a fantastic win against Everton uh, away from home with a hat-trick coming from the former flop, Josh King. And it started pretty badly for a Watford perspective with uh, Tom Davis scoring against you. And I thought, ah, oh, well, if Tom Davis is scoring against you, you, I think you may as well pack up and go home. <laughs> However, they fought their way back into it. You know, set-piece goal, Foo King. And as soon as the second one went in from Richarlison, again, you just thought game over, but Watford just rallied back. It's got a couple of very nice counter-attacking goals, typical of a, a certain title-winning season that Ranieri took charge of a few years ago. Um, a special shout-out to Josh King. Patrick against Everton. Um, I think only, he, was, he was subbed on 11 times, played about 130 minutes. Very torrid, miserable time really there. Um, but it's a great win for Ranieri. And, you know, I really hope that he can take the club forward and I hope they're persistent with this manager. A uh, bit of a fun fact for you guys, actually. Uh, Watford's last five away league wins have come under five different managers. Crazy. Yeah. I saw that on the way. It is absolutely ludicrous, isn't it? I mean, God knows how many managers they've had. But it's, it's a great win. And I, ho- I hope it's something that Ranieri can build on because he's got a good squad there. Ishmael Assar, you know, everyone knows about him, how he's linked with Liverpool. King's now starting to find his feet. Uh, Dennis is it, I think, have got the fifth. And they've got some tricky players in that team. They just need to shore up at the back. And, you know, they've got a reliable keeper and uh, veteran in Ben Foster. So hopefully they can build on it going forward. I don't know what your thoughts were. Yeah, no, I've, I mean, for me, um, you know, I, I saw the highlights on Saturday, I think, on Sunday, sorry. Uh, shout out to Michael Keane for putting in an absolute Beckham S balling for Richarlison for, this, for the second goal, I think oh, yeah. it was for Everton. Yeah. It was an absolute peach. Um, and it, under, Rafa, under Rafa, it's been one of those for uh, Everton where you'd expect them to see the game out. They've been. Uh, from when I've watched them anyway, defensively solid. They played well against Burnley on the Monday night game. I saw them on. And I've seen them a couple of times and they look they look good Everton this season. Um, so I was surprised when I saw them go from, from 2-1 up to, to lose the manner in which they did. Um, and with you, they've got they've got some good players, Watford. There's a lot of players that go under the radar there. People like Musa Sissoko in the midfield for them, for instance, that people don't even realise is gone. Uh, Peter Tobo went from previous Stoke midfielder. He's there as well. Wouldn't say he's a, a top Premier League player, but I'd say he's a fringe one when he when he gets going. Uh, and like you said, that the strikers, Josh King, he's done it on his day at Bournemouth. I think he was the top goal scorer for Bournemouth in the Premier League like of all time. I'm not too sure. He's up there, it's him or Wilson anyway. Uh, and I think, yeah, they've like you said, they've got the players, they've got a good core. It's just, you know, finding the best 11 or the match day squad, keeping the motivation up now. They've got a win under the belt. I suppose it's hard to, to maintain a a good run of form when you're changing managers as in, as often as they do. But uh, I think they've probably made those five managerial changes since we've been in the championship. It's been it's been that quick. So uh yeah, but now cracking cracking turnaround from Ranieri and you know for, for his and Watford's sake, it'll be nice to to see him keep it up. Yeah, it's it's a tricky one with Watford. They are one week they can be, you know, played off the park and absolutely battered like they were last weekend against Liverpool and and then the, the weekend after they go and score five themselves, it's very, very strange. Premier League does strange things at times. Um, I mean, obviously one of our mates in our little group chat said, you know, what would win, win written all over this? And I, even I said, no, nah, not a chance. Not, not away from home at Everton. They're very, very strong at home. I don't think they've lost all season there either. Um, and he, he, like I say, when Tom Davis scored, you, you sort of think, here we go again. It's going to be another three or four nil route here. Um, a banker on an acker. Um I, I still believe they'll go down more purely because their defensive frailties. I mean, you've got the likes of Craig Cathcarts and, and people like that. I just, I don't think they're good enough. I, th- I think they miss someone like Craig Dawson. 
Um, obviously, he, he was very good at West Brom and he's, he's now doing a very good job at West Ham as well, which I'll touch upon in a bit. Um, they've got the experience in Moussa Sissoko. I don't think Josh King... He could get you eight to ten goals, but he's not going to keep you up in the Premier League for me. Um, but then you could argue you, you don't know what Branier is going to do in January. That's if he's still there. You know what for the like. Uh, or how much money he's going to be able to, to spend, so to speak. Because for me, they, they, they need probably a striker or two and a, at least a couple of defenders. I think, like I said, the midfield's pretty solid with the Sissokos, your Atebos in there. So I, I still think, I'd, I, I'm like you guys, I'd, I'd love them to stay up more for Ranieri. Not not because I like Watford, they're, they're pretty, no offence to them, but they're pretty relevant to me. I, I don't really look out for their results. I don't really follow them. There's no standout players which I think, oh, wow, other than Ishmael Assar, who you'd probably imagine will move on in the summer, regardless whether they're in the league or not. But yeah, for Ranieri's sake, he's just such a lovely guy. Um, so yeah, I, I hope they can kick on for his sake, to be honest. Yeah, you also want to help us know what fans are tuning in on that, Stu, because uh, you might get messages on Twitter on the back of that. Uh, you briefly mentioned uh, West Ham, Stu, uh, in your previous comment just about uh, Dawson. Uh, do you want to touch upon your moment from the weekend? Yeah, so as you could gather, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about West Ham. Um, we've not really covered them so far. And they've gone quietly under the radar and they're doing their, a very good job at doing so. Um, obviously, getting a very good win over Spurs at the weekends. Uh, a mate of mine is a, is a West Ham fan herself. Uh, and I asked her before the game, what do you think? And she says, well, Antonio always bags against them. And, <laughs> you know, he's done it again. Um, he's an absolute machine. You know, consider, I think I think he's about 31 now and he's not even really been an out-and-out striker other than the last sort of couple of years where he's adapted his game very well. Um, took his goal very well. Another set-piece goal as well from West Ham. They're very, very powerful in the air. Uh, they've got the big bodies who like to see Jog Bonners, Diops, Dawson's, Antonio himself. Um, yeah, it was, it was a good it was a good finish from him. Um, Preswell, dead ball specialist. He reminds me a little bit of Leighton Baines. Um, just does a very, very good job. Got a very good left foot on him. Whips it in. And obviously Antonio couldn't really miss from six yards out. Um, but interestingly, obviously they got a very good win against Everton last weekend as well. Yeah. Bonner, again, another, another headed goal. Um, and then obviously they beat Genk in midweek as well. Uh, Dawson scoring, Diop scoring, and, and even Jared Bowen, who I, who I highly rate myself as well. So three clean sheets in a week just shows that they're they're just going from strength to strength. Um, I mean, for me, you look at a team, and a lot of, a lot of people talk about the spine of a team. You know that that's the key, and you got to look at that. You got that it's a Diop centre half alongside Dawson. Your Declan Rice is in the middle. And then Bowen pulling the strings behind Antonio as well. Um, and, and, and it's working for them. You know, they're in the top four. They, they've been kicking on the last couple of seasons of the Moyers. They were very unlucky last season. They just ran out a bit of steam, which you could argue they could do this season being in Europe. But at the moment, if they keep it up, if they get enough points on the board going into January, they, they could reinvest and get a little bit more strength and depth in there as well, potentially a striker. Because for me, I don't think they should have got rid of Sebastian Haller who is doing very, very well, over, obviously, in Holland uh, for Ajax. Um, I, I think he's... I'm sure I read somewhere that he might even be the top scorer in the Champions League. I'm not even sure, but I know he's got a fair few goals ready for them this season. Um, but, yeah, in the Premier League, go back to West Ham, five wins and two draws and two defeats out of nine is not bad going. And considering they've already played Leicester, Man United, Spurs and Everton, who are going to be in and around the top four places where West Ham are going to be, hopefully challenging four as well um, and they've got nine points from those four games um, Antonio as I said seven in ten this season and 11 goal involvements as well um, and obviously Ben Rama and Bowen and Rice also chipping in with uh, two and four goals respectively so yeah for me uh, if they if they keep this up hats off to Moyes it's very for me it's very Everton-esque um, he's going about his business very very quietly there despite you know the fan pressure on the likes of uh, Golden Sullivan there, who are not very well liked, but Moyes and the players are, are you know, just ignoring all that and just getting on with it and um, doing their their bit on the pitch. It's, it's funny, it's slightly gutted that you did, but I'm also kind of glad that you mentioned it around the Everton-esque because my, my comments that I'd wrote down on this, on this game was that 
I feel like we're living in a time where we're seeing David Moyes repeating what he did, what, 15, 20 years ago at Everton, where he's got the the young local hero in, in Declan Rice, which was obviously Wayne Rooney at Everton. Yeah. Um, he's got the you know the experience and the left back who can get forward and create like yeah, Leighton Baines being replicated in, in Creswell. I think he's got that solidity at the back in Dawson. Um, and he's also brought in uh, Kurt Zuma as well for the odd game. Yeah. Note. And he's doing well there. It's nice yeah, to see. Yeah. Um, they've got you know the play. They've got the Suchek almost replicating the Marouane Fellaini, six foot four, dominant in the air midfielder. Um, they've got who also chips in with the goals like Tim Kale was famous for doing. Uh, and then they've just got that raw mobility up front. Again, I'm not comparing Antonio to Wayne Rooney in any context, but in terms of playing style, pace, aggression, and the, and the willing to score goals that Antonio's seem to have picked up over the last 12 to 12 to 18 months is is carrying them and uh, yeah. and that's similar to what Rooney did uh, in his time now again and it's I think you know it's it's good it's good to see um from a perspective of obviously you know people forget I think that he was chosen he was handpicked by Ferguson you know arguably well probably not even arguably the best manager that's ever managed in the Premier League uh, so that's how respected always was at the time and it's nice to see him like re I suppose it's making up for making up for lost time making up and proving that, that he has still got it because uh, he had some torrid times at Sunderland at Man United and I feel like now he's, he's picking back up and he's showing people what he's capable of doing yeah I mean, I mean even at even at West Ham the first time around obviously people seem to forget he's, he's been manager there twice uh, yeah. failed the first time and he, he he had the courage to go back there and even at times he was under pressure a little bit uh, sort of early early on, but he's he's just come on leaps and bounds and he, he's untouchable there at the moment. Yeah, you um you brought up a point exactly that was my my exact first point actually that people forget that Moses has been in charge before and when he was hired again there were a lot of groans and why you know why why we bringing him back in and proving it's not worked but I guess he's learned from his previous time um, Antonio. Man transformed really. He was a right back at Sheffield Wednesday. That's how I remember him. I remember yeah. being at a game where we beat Sheffield Wednesday at the King Power and he scored that day and he looked really good. And I was like, well, this guy played like a striker. And lo and behold, he demolished Leicester when uh, they met earlier in the season. Big fan of his. As Liam said, aggression, willingness to score goals. And they've got a proper number nine now they can rely on for the next few years. Uh, Cresswell, very underrated left back. Ogbonna. Declan Rice, I mean, Moy said the other day that, you know, there was a £100 million price tag on his head and he'd have been sold if someone would have met that. And now that's gone. You know, you could forget bidding £100 million. I think he'd probably bid £115. They won't sell him. You know, the local boy, you know, taking over from, you know, from Mark Noble in the respect of being that homegrown talent. Although I will, say, I will safely say that Rice is probably better than Noble ever was. Um, but that's just by watching him over the last 18 months or so. Very impressive outfit, West Ham. lot going forward, solid at the back. And I, don't, I think they'll go strength from strength, to be honest. I, I can't yeah. really see them slowing down. I can't, I can't see them finishing outside the top eight. Um, I know there have been a couple of resurgences in a couple of teams recently, but I can't see West Ham not fighting for a top five finish. Um, I think top four does pick itself, but we'll, we'll come back to that. Uh, but it's hard not to be impressed by by West Ham and even Fabianski, who's recently retired from uh, Polish duty. Um, he's dedicated all his time to West Ham now. He's still a top goalkeeper. We all know they can play well into the late 30s, but I think he's an underrated pair of hands. And it's, it's a difficult time to play in West Ham in, you know, three games, three clean sheets. What more can you ask for? And as I said, I know I, know I keep repeating myself, but I, I can't really see them slowing down now. And... It would not surprise me if they were again Europa League football at the end of the season or pushing the top four. But, you know, things can change. It's nearly November, but they're looking very strong. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, speaking of top four, uh, to wrap up the, the three of the best from the weekend, uh, I can't ignore, obviously, the, the game from Sunday, the Super Sunday. Uh, I'm sorry, Max, it's not the lesser one. Uh, but I want to point out a certain individual, uh, Naby Keita for Liverpool. 
thought he was fantastic yesterday. Uh, I remember when he first signed for Liverpool, I think it was on a pre-contract agreement. People knew he was joining months ahead before he actually did. And I believe I remember seeing in that in that time, he was he was either scoring from 40 yards or getting sent off. He seemed a bit of a, a raw player, a bit rash at times. And I was a bit sceptical in, in probably what his first couple of seasons at Liverpool uh, and in the games I'd seen him, he was he, he seemed a bit more of a bit part player that rather than the I think it was 50 million the signing for in the end. And I don't feel like he's really lived up to that prize tag just yet. And I, I'm pretty sure a lot of Liverpool fans would agree. However, you know, he scored an, an absolute worldie in the in the Champions League last week. Um, unfortunately, I wasn't watching that game because I was watching the Stoke Bournemouth. But uh, yeah, again, he scored on the weekend, just gone. Eight, you know, on the stats, stats from yesterday, he, uh, he had two shots, scored a goal, got an assist. 81 pass completion, which, you know, in a midfield with that talent that was on display yesterday, isn't bad going. You know, he's not known for his, his creativity. However, yesterday, created the most chances in the entire game. And he also made the most interceptions, uh, considering he only featured for about 60 minutes, I think it was, before Paul Pogba tried to break his leg. But, uh, yeah, and no, I, thought, I, thought, I thought he was brilliant yesterday. He was everywhere. He did very well for, for his goal. Uh, Bruno Fernandes had a similar chance about under, less than five minutes before it, I believe. Not the same angle, but I'd say the same distance. Uh, Case took his chance, Bruno didn't. That's a, that that's why the game straight away from the off and, and Liverpool just cruised from there. Uh, and, you know, we can't ignore Salah. I think he became the most, the highest scoring African Premier League player this weekend. Another hat-trick. What a guy. Uh, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna give him his plaudits because he had way too many of them yesterday, and he's, you know, he's had them for the last few weeks off us as well as a collective. But you know, clean sheet, defensive as well. Thought it was smart from Klopp to play Canate on the right centre back to help out Trent defensively with Rashford's pace. Thought it was a very smart move. Uh, obviously, I tweeted before the game it could either go two ways of either being a 1-1 close draw or one of the teams beating the other by seven goals to three or something like that. And at one point when Ronaldo scored, I thought, oh, it might actually happen here before it got ruled out. Um, but yeah, Liverpool were dominant again, uh, rightfully picking up the three points. And uh, worried times at Manchester. Yeah, it, well put. I mean, I'm trying to think what else to add to that. Although I did see something very interesting about, you know, the guy that everyone feels sorry for, uh, Donny van der Beek. Um, terrific Ajax and another one of those homegrown academy talents who you think can come to the Premier League and do well. But I don't think the record of Ajax players in the Premier League has actually been particularly good, despite the fact they've done so well over there. Um, Liverpool, scoring five, scored more goals than van der Beek has played minutes in the Premier League this season. That says a lot, to be honest. Um, yeah. it didn't, I didn't actually note down how many minutes but it'll be four three two or even one um of course but something neville said stuck with me gary neville he said that liverpool destroyed man united i was like no they barely got out of second gear at five nil they were so lethargic they were just it's like a training game they're passing left to right if liverpool would have been on it it would have been 10 11 it was embarrassing for man united and it, I, I, can't, I can't even believe how Fred and McTominay are pairing for a team like Manchester United and their big creative spark, you know, on his day, world-class talent, Paul Pogba comes on, loses his head, so ill-disciplined and gets himself red-carded. It just tells you everything. The dressing room is not what it used to be. Solskjaer was brought in originally to fix it. And now it's just done a full circle. He's done a 360. It's back to where it was before when Mourinho was there, but for a different reason. And Liverpool were outstanding. Mo Salah is the best player in the world by distance at the moment. And it's not for debate. I can't, you know, usually I like a debate. I know the three of us have a mutual friend who certainly loves a debate. But Salah is by, by a distance the best player in the world. You bring up your Benzema's and whatever else, but this guy's different gravy and took all his goals well. Liverpool are going to, keep playing like this every single week. Klopp's got them sorted. He's got the style. He's got their formation. He's got the high press, the intensity. 
if you don't work hard in that team, you're not getting signed. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you're a fullback or a central midfielder or a striker. If you don't, if you don't run for the team, you're not going to play. And Liverpool were weren't even outstanding. I can't say they were outstanding because they weren't. They were good. They were good at best, but Man United were terrible. Maguire is a joke at the moment. Juan Bissaka, known for his defending, didn't defend. I mean, I am going in on Man United. I will admit. But, <laughs> you know, I, even even Leicester, Leicester when Leicester beat United, Leicester weren't particularly brilliant. They were fine, but Man United was shocking. Well, Maguire was shocking, but this was just awful. I don't even know who they got next. I mean, Stu, last week I said to you on this podcast that Mo, Mo Salah just stick four players on him, and you went, "Oh well, they got United next." And I went, "Oh, stick five on him." <laughs> he still would have got three goals so you know it's it, it fake his belief I'm, I'm really the, worried about it a bit but it's terrible it's terrible the, the scary thing is as well I think it was Salah's first one where Kaita set it up and Salah's got the ball he misses it to shot and there's four or five Man United defenders in front of Salah and he manages to get around all of them to the front post five yards away from the ball yeah. to tap in a, to tap in a cross that's on, his, on a plate for him it's yeah. scary yeah, and two England internationals, Shaw and Maguire, bumping into each other that led to a goal. Tells you everything. It's like when they've got a white shirt on, they seem to be playing differently. Maybe it's too much pressure being at Manchester United. Maybe we're finally seeing it, but, oh, dear me. It's got to be Lindelof and Varane for me at the back now. But I'm laughing because that's £80 million in the bank that's paid for a, a training ground. Thank you, Harry. All right, I'm done now. Well, uh... <laughs> Thanks for that. Thanks for that, Roy Keane. Uh, <laughs> yeah, obviously you guys have pretty much covered it there. Um, United have been well. You could see it happening. You know, a poor defeat against Villa, a draw against Everton. Um, I said to my dad before kickoff, he asked me if I was watching the game. I said, "Yeah, I watch the game." I said, "Do you watch? It'll be a boring nil-nil this." And how wrong I was. Um, and. Uh, I know I shouldn't really mention his name after him being in the media a little bit, but Paul Skull said in midweek um, about you know the, the way they play against Atalanta, that if they play like that against Liverpool, it'll be three or four nil at half-time, and how right he was. Um, you know, you could you could see it happening from the off. So, well, as soon as, as soon as Kater scored, that was it. It was just obliteration for him um, big shout out to Jordan Henderson I thought he had an absolutely outstanding game as well um, obviously, I mean his ball for Salah's third was unbelievable outside of the left foot um, I mean I know you guys have mentioned it in our little group chat that you know City have got the strength and depth and I know they haven't got a, an out and out striker so to speak but for me when, when Liverpool have got all their fully fit players like they have at the moment other than Fabinho and Thiago They've got a lot of strength and depth as well. I mean, you could pick four. Well, at the five strikers have got, you know, including Origi, four of them would start in any team in the Premier League. Um, and then obviously the, the midfield, you, you've got the likes of Thiago, Keita, Fabinho, Henderson, Milner, Oxide chamberlain um, And then obviously even at the back, Matip or Kanate would partner Van Dijk. Um, and for me, Matip would walk into most Premier League sides as well. I think he's, I think he's a very, very good defender. Um, and I think I said, I don't know if it was last week or the week before on the pod. I think it's a three-horse race um, after United not beating Everton. I think they're dropping away a bit with Lukaku and Werner now being injured for Chelsea, and Lukaku seeming a little bit burnt out. Um, I can only see it being a two-horse race at this rate. The way things yeah. the way the way those two are, are, are just hammering everyone. Um, it's going to be an interesting title race, but I can't see it being more than those two. I really can't. They're just, they're just going to walk away with they really are. Um, I, I couldn't call it. I'd, I'd rather see Liverpool win the league, but that's because I've just got a bit of a soft spot for Liverpool. Um, obviously, you guys know that. Um, but then, yeah, you just couldn't call it. If I was a betting man, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't know what to. What's no, it's, it's got to be. You're absolutely right. Between Man City and Liverpool, they're the two best teams in the league. You know, Chelsea have the strength and depth, but they haven't. They're not missing that goal scorer. You know, I, I think one of them could do the treble as well. I really could. 
Either one of them could win the Champions League, and either one of them could win one of the domestic cups as well as as well as the Premier League. Well, I they're, do they're wanna, that good. I do want to bring up another fact about the guy who I think will win the Golden Boot now, Mo Salah, of course. Um, <laughs> he scored in seven consecutive Premier League games. I'm very frightened for our body. Uh, but if yeah. he was to break the record and make it twelve, the game he would do it in is Everton away. Oh wow! <laughs> so. Clarify up your question as well earlier, Max. Man United have uh, Tottenham on the weekend. It's been labelled the El Sacchio <laughs> uh, like for, the, for obvious reasons. So uh, that clears up your. Uh, hope that clears up your question on that. Uh, and yeah, moving on to the trivia. Moving on to records. Uh, my trivia this weekend, chaps. I've picked two questions, but I'm only going to put one forward, hoping that you don't actually get the answer within 30 seconds, like we have done. I think in every other episode so far, bar one. Okay. So, my question is, Michael Antonio scored his 52nd Premier League goal on the weekend, and it means that still 100% of his goals have come inside the 18-yard box. There are two players that have scored more than Antonio with that 100% inside the 18-yard box record. Wow. Can you make them in Premier League history? I reckon I've got one. Yeah, I think one's jumped in my head straight away and I reckon it's the same that Stuart's thinking. I'm going to say Andy Cole. Andy Cole was one of the players I expected to see on there and it is not Andy Cole. Oh, wow. Oh, OK, that's not who I thought you were going to say. I was going to say Ruud van Nistelrooy. Ruud van Nistelrooy, I always remember he scored a goal against, I believe it was Charlton, and he picked the ball up on the halfway line carried it yes. through about three or four players and scored from outside the box. Oh. And if, if Henri or Salah would have scored it, I think it might have won goal of the season. Yeah. And it was, I always remember that was the only goal I think he ever scored outside the penalty area. Oh, okay. No, it's not Ruud van Nistelrooy. Oh, wow. Uh, I know it sounds like I'm asking for a clue here, but have any of these players... Uh, have they scored a lot of goals or is it could it be under 10? It should have 100% record, but have they got a lot? They've scored, of... they've scored more than Antonio's 52. The clue I will give you is they have what? not scored more than 100. Oh, It won't right. narrow it down too much, but they haven't scored more than 100. So it does take out, obviously, some of the big names for you. OK, can I take a little stab? Because another name just jumped in my head for some reason. I might be completely wrong. Mark yep. Viduka. Mark Viduka is not on there. OK. I've, I've got another one, but again, I'm not sure if it's right. Dimitar Berbatov? No, Berbatov's not on there. He'd been on free kick, surely, for... Uh, yeah. Oh, God, that's a good question. Actually, no, this is a very good question. I can't even... Uh, oh, jeez. to think. Uh, okay, I've got another one. Might be wrong. Yep. Darren Bent? Darren Bent is not one, no. Oh, I've got one, and this could be one. I'm actually quite confident now. Oh, a Pompey player. Yakubu. No. Love Yakubu. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a clue. So, neither... I don't think... Yeah, neither of these players play in the Premier League. One no longer plays. And both of these players, their former clubs, both conceded five on the weekend. Everton and United. Yeah, it's got to be on it. But they could both okay. play for the same team as well, don't forget. Okay. Oh, they both yeah. have the same team. No, I'm not saying they did. I'm just saying oh, they right. could have both of their both players had their team that they used to play for. Okay. Oh, I think I might have two here. Okay. Andy Cole's best friend, Dwight York, and Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer. No to both. Okay. I'm pretty sure York got 100 as well. You said uh, less than 100, yeah? Yeah. Okay, Tim Cahill. Tim Cahill scored 56 goals all inside the penalty area. Wow, really? Yeah. I thought he'd have scored a free kick. Yeah, he's the high, He's Blimey. the highest. The other player has scored one more goal than Antonio. There's your final clue. 53. 53 goals all inside the penalty area. Yeah, Tim Cahill was a beast with his head, wasn't he, for a guy under six foot? Yeah. Uh, oh God. I don't know why. No, it could be. This guy played for two Premier League clubs. 
one of them was Man United. It's not Tevez then, is it? He's played for three, isn't he? Yeah, he's played for three. He played for Man United and another club. He's got 50, you say 50, how many? 52? 53. 53. Um, okay. Oh, wow. I was going to guess Nanny then. That would have been the worst guess in the world, wouldn't it? Um, <laughs> Nanny scores outside the box. Um, it's not, it's not Makeda either. <laughs> Luke Chadwick, maybe. Uh, <laughs> No, we can we can leave it and revisit if you want later on. Yeah, I'm absolutely stumped. Yeah, I'll give you some thinking time. Yeah. Um, so okay. yeah, in the meantime, Stu, speaking of stumps, we'll let you start. Uh, Portsmouth got stumped against Ipswich four 0 in midweek, um, and then obviously the Accrington Stanley result. Well, well, well. Yeah, where do I start with Pompey? Um, I predicted us to beat Ipswich um, on Tuesday. How wrong I was. Losing 4-0. Another Gavin Bazzuni mistake. Just defensive errors all over the place. Ex-player again scoring against us in Connor Chaplin. Um, to be honest, it's probably one of the worst I've seen us play in a long, long time. And I've, I've seen us perform against sides and nearly dropping out of the Football League when we were back in League 2 in the Richie Barker days. And that was a that was a new low. Um, so yeah, to be honest, I, I don't really want to talk about it. It annoyed me for days. I, I was I've been at home and I was at work and I was in a vile mood just purely because of that. It really really annoyed me. Um, that's probably you guys have seen from my tweets. Um, on to Accrington, a little bit better. Um, Cowley obviously under pressure severely after after that drubbing at home. Uh, finished two two. Curtis and Harness getting uh, getting the goals. Um, Harness obviously getting a little bit of a run together. Uh, Curtis is, you know, he's in and out, but we, we need Harness, Curtis, and Marcus all to perform really. If we're really going to kick on, they're the three key ones up front. Um, we went back, reverted back to a four at the back, which helped against Accrington because we played three against the three at the back again against Ipswich, and obviously. Seeding eight in two games, and obviously going to Accrington, we needed to change some. So yeah, going forward at the back, it made us a little bit more solid at the back, despite still conceding two. But to be honest with you, um, maybe I'm being biased, but <laughs> we we should have scored about five or six against Accrington. We were, we needed to bury our chances. You can see there's a lack of confidence in, in just the, in the side in general. Um, you know, if we had a bit of confidence in us, and especially with Mark, we see missed two, I think. Um, yeah we had enough to win five games we're still missing Clark Robertson at the back so our captain um, but I'm a little bit more hopeful for the next couple of games uh, we've got two home games in a row as well so I'd like to think with our poor away form that two two home games on the trot might just spring a bit of confidence into the lads and uh, get us firing because I showed a lot of character on Saturday especially after going one nil up and then obviously two one down um, getting a late goal which we thoroughly deserved there's no doubt about that so yeah I'm quite happy we've, we've got Bolton next uh, next Saturday uh, sorry this Saturday um, I think we've only got one winning 12 or 13 or something, something daft like that it's, it's so poor um, but I, pre I predict us to win uh, I've got my positive head on I'm going to go 3-1 at home um, but for me going back to the season on that as a whole I knew we were pushing for the playoffs. For me, I, I, I'd write the playoffs off. Take the pressure off the lads. Whatever we get, we get. Um, as long as we don't go down, you know, mid-table, top 10-ish, I'll be happy with. Um, hopefully, you can get a few new signings in in January because I think that's going to be key, especially for Cowley, to try and solidify his job a little bit. Um, he's got to get the right players in in January. Um, yeah, the Isers aren't going to get rid of him. You know, I know a lot of fans have put a bit of pressure on Cowley and said he's got to go. You know, including myself at times, I've been a bit annoyed with him this week with some of his bizarre changes. But at the end of the day, I've just come to the realisation he's not going to go. The Isers aren't. They're not like your Watford chairman and your, your Roman Abramoviches where they're just going to hire and fire all the time and a couple of results go, go the, the wrong way. It's not their style. So we've just got to get behind Cowley and, and the team itself and just hopefully just kick on. Um, you know, it's... It's tough being a Pompey fan at times, but I suppose it's got to be. Uh, it's, it's rather that than uh, watch 
watch your team be boring and just languish at the bottom of a league every season and scrape relegation every year. So yeah, that's my thoughts. Glum as it sounds, that that's uh, my thoughts. I don't know if you've caught the highlights or anything, lads. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean it's 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 difficult, really, mate, because I have a degree of sympathy for uh, for the manager in a weird way. This is just you know watching on minimal viewing, to be honest. There just seems to be a catalogue of defensive errors. I don't yeah. even judge a manager on errors that the players make, and it just it seems to be too often. And I, I guess what I really want to pinpoint to you is you know coming from a, you know I've picked up a lot on Portsmouth and been paying a lot more attention since, you know since we started talking. But, but can you pinpoint exactly where it's going wrong because? You know, you had your reservations on uh, Kenny Jacket. That was a fact. We hear that, heard that quite a lot. But it seems to be there's no progression within the ranks. There seems to be no progression within the system or even the playing style. What can you pinpoint exactly what the problem is, or is it just a case of rotten luck? If, if I'm honest, I think the whole club's a bit of a mess. Um, you know, people blame the Eisners, saying you know they're not they're not backing Cowley enough. Yet they, you know, then you could argue, well, they they plowed so much money into the training facility in the stadium itself, and just trying to upgrade and just freshen the the whole club as a setup up a bit. Um, but then you could argue some of Cowley's signings have been a bit iffy. The likes of George Hurst, Hadmi's not had a chance. Miguel Aziz, another from Arsenal in England, twenty international, just not been given a go. Um, I, th- I think with the, going back to the errors, I saw it in one of the forums I go on. It's like Cowley, I get he's trying to play nice football, but you got to remember we're in League One. We're not we're not like Man City. We can't play it from the back. That's where the mistakes happen. Like, you know, keep it simple. Simple but effective. You know, you can start playing out from the back and playing nicer football if, if you're getting the right results and you've got the good confidence in you. But at the moment, we haven't. And trying to do that, and, and you know, against obviously Ipswich, you've probably seen Bazunu's error again. Um, despite him being, a, I still st- stand by him. I think he's our best keeper. Um, Raggett passed it back to him, which I think, you know, he, he didn't have to as such. He could have gone out to the left to Lee Brown, and and he stuttered on the ball. And obviously, uh, Macaulay Bonds come in and nicked it, and, and obviously got on to score. He made some key saves against Appington, so shows he, he's a young lad and he's, he's happy to bounce back from it. But um, yeah, I think we just got to go back to basics. If I'm honest with you, um, as I said, stick by the manager. Try not. It's just a bit toxic in general, you know, slagging off the Eisners. I mean, they're, they're very quiet generally. Um, the owner came out himself in midweek and was, said, you know, hopefully we can get into the championship in a few years. We want to upgrade the North stand if we do and try and get up to 30,000 capacity, which which is the right thing to do. We do need to to build the foundation on, on you know, training ground and the stadium facilities because uh, they are very outdated. But um, it's, it's difficult to pinpoint where do you start because... Every fa- every club's got fans where they just want everything in one go, um, and it, it's hard. I mean, even I don't I don't know where do you, where do you start? Do you do you get behind the manager or do you um, give the owners a chance as well? And, and brick by brick, as as the Eisens say, I don't know. It, it's it's so hard. I, I get frustrated, and I'm still frustrated with it all now. To be honest with you, I think, I think you know, in the, in the wise words of Tony Pulis, if you uh, if you don't concede. You don't lose, yeah. And I think looking back, especially on the game on the weekend, you know, you you touched on it a bit earlier in, in regards to the style of play. I think some of the attacks that you had, the one-touch football, the pressing from Marcus to win the ball back. I think three or four chances you created on Saturday came from Marcus harassing and and working hard to get the ball off the defenders, chasing them down, doing the dirty work, and and not only doing the dirty work but getting in in, in and amongst the shots, uh, creating the chances, playing the final ball through. Um, you know, I, I said to you guys uh, earlier on, like this, how did, this game could have basically replicated the, the Portsmouth Reading from about 15 years ago. It could have been 7-4 easily to Portsmouth. Um, Curtis did well taking on the keeper. So unlucky where the defender, you know, it's, I think off his own post in the end. Yeah. Um, played uh, with an unreal touch down the right-hand side in his own half, played it down the line into Harness, who squared it to Marcus, probably should have scored. Um, but yeah, like you said, it's, it's individual errors. I thought the keeper had a good game actually on the weekend, this weekend, yeah. uh, made up for it. I'm pretty sure he was the one that dis- his distribution was the reason that Curtis had that chance in the first place from the halfway. Well, 
from out wide with no keeper. Uh, but they had chances as well. Bishop, I believe it was for them, should have scored, should have took his chance. Uh, I thought you were a bit narrow on the on the second goal. I think it was that you conceded, you took to in. I think the first goal was a set piece, uh, where it was poor marking, poor defending. But uh, but yeah, it's one of those where I think you know if you sort out the back defensively, you've got you've got creativity up front to to create chances and score goals. So yeah, I think going into the game against Bolt this weekend, you know they're sitting around mid table. Not in the best of forms. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to be optimistic and say I can see you getting a two 0 win. Uh, Max, I'll I don't know your verdict in there? I'd say so. Actually, I'd, I'd agree with the score as well. I think, as you said, Stuart, you got two home games. I think it's the time to sort of turn it round for you guys and and go back to basics. Maybe you know you mentioned Sean Ragger playing a back a back pass to the keeper, who's you know sort of dallied on it and the goals come from it. It's Probably more time, you know, just get the ball to the pitch. Why make, why take five passes when you can take one, you know? And it, I think it's just sometimes football's lost in that ticky tacker translation. Yeah. You know, Guardiola did it with Barcelona, great, but no one, no one's ever going to be that good. So, folks, the big man, get the big John on the ball, hold the ball, bring others into play, utilize the wing backs, get the balls in the box, get in early, trouble the defenders, make them work. Once yeah. you start start that, then you can build and start to play nicer football. But you've got to set the base, get the ball at the pitch. Two 0 up the pumping. <laughs> A lot right. of positivity. Uh, speaking of positivity, Max, you were roaring with it not only on Thursday night when I was on my way home from work, but <clears> even more so yesterday afternoon before the Man United Liverpool game. Do you want to take the floor? Yeah, sure. Uh, well, one night in Spartak, Moscow. Um, I've, I was uh, ill off work, funnily enough. I've been ill for a few days, so it was a half three kickoff, so I would have missed it if uh, I wasn't at work, but I was at home. And yeah, what a performance. Uh, first half was sort of mirrored, a mirror of the previous game. No fight, no desire. It was all over the place. We weren't getting up the pitch quick enough. It was slow. It was tiresome. And when one down, two down, you know, just before the break. And again, it, I know we use this phrase a lot for all our teams, but here we go again. Two nil down, but the boy Dakar knocks one in straight away. A bit fortuitous with the through ball for me. Nacho took a nick and he slotted it home. Second half, turned it round, bossed the game. Uber Samari had his best game in Leicester shirt. Um, Dakar scored four goals. First Leicester player to score four in a game since 1958. Uh, player called Derek Hines scored in a 6-3 win against Villa, I think. Villa or Bolton, I think it was Villa. So that's how far back we're going here. But yeah, Dakar needed that, needed that uh, bit of positivity because, you know, he, he bagged against Man United, got four in the week and had an involvement in the win at the weekend as well. But, you know, superb, 4-2, four, four no, 4-3 in the end even. Got a bit of a scare right at the end. I blame Vestergaard because he came on. Um, but all, all in all, needed the win, needed the win and got it. So that's all I can ask for. So that's all I'll mention on that. Um, then Sunday, Brentford, impressing everybody. Very good players. They have a bit of a, a Sheffield United aura to me when they first came up, you know, the positivity. I mean, Sheffield United overlapping wing uh, centre-backs even, you know, it was very, like, weird. And, you know, it's like, whoa, Chris Waldinho coming in, you know, with a new style of play for the Premier League. But Brentford are just, they were sort of remind me of Liverpool, high energy, high pressing. As soon as Leicester played the ball back to Schmeichel, they had two players sprinting down, sprinting down his throat. And they had a bit of a similar feeling to the Palace game, this one. But Brentford were just dominating the game, but couldn't find a way through. Um, you know, partly because of Schmeichel being a, a world-class shot stopper. I didn't say keeper, I said shot stopper. Um, but we take the lead. And it's a, a wonder goal. It is a wonder goal from Yuri Tielemann. Yeah. Star man. Star man. It's, it's just incredible. Ball's headed out. There's not, It's half a chance at best. He's run onto it and 99 times out of 100, it goes into Rose. But how he's kept it down and beat the keeper, I don't know. Unbelievable. Sign, sign him, give him what he wants, give him 
the manager's wife, give him anything. <laughs> because honestly, Yuri Tielemans in the Leicester team is a breath of fresh air. And I can say that every single Leicester fan wants him to sign on, but we wouldn't begrudge him if he didn't. He's still being professional. He's still giving everything. And thanks to him, we won the game on Sunday. Without him, we would have lost. It was such a fine line. Brentford find their way back in it deservedly. He had some very good uh, performances. Norgard, superb. Just he, he was aggressive. He was, he was like a Roy Keane or Patrick Pierre. He was sort of like hitting, hitting us hard, kicking us, hitting hard tackles. Very good player. Rico Henry making superb runs. Tony being a nuisance. And Bumo, I can never say his name, uh, making a nuisance of himself as well. You know, they got themselves back into it. They deserved to. They were, you know, first half especially, they were outstanding, but got the goal in the second. And the second goal from Leicester typified us. Uh, an old Leicester, again, you know, I know I touched on it very briefly earlier, but had a title-winning season look about it when Schmeichel's long kick, Ian Nacho held the ball up, rolled it to Tielemans. And this pass from Tielemans is world-class because if you watch it, you'd think he'd take another touch before he passed the ball. I don't know if you guys have seen it. When Ian Atcho rolls it across yeah. him, nine times out of ten, a player takes a touch and looks for his options. He just played it straight away. He just passed he it knows. straight through. And all of a sudden, Dak is through. I was like, in a blink of an eye, you're like, oh my God, as if he's just done that. And you think, in the form he's in, Dak is just going to shoot. But he's off to Madison. First goal since February. Uh, he had a good game as well. James Madison, he's slowly coming back into his own. And I want to give a massive shout out to Daniel Amati, who, you know, you know what my guys, are, you know, my opinion is of him, I should say. He's a very good defender, but on the ball, he's a bomb scare. And I think he's he's been so, so solid. Um, he's been involved in all our wins this season. And I think in a back three, that's where he plays his best football. With Johnny Evans being in the middle, he's so key to that back three. But it was just nice to see that we could grind out an ugly win. Um, you know, we didn't manage against Palace despite being second best. We were second best for 70% of this game, got the win. And now we move on to uh, Arsenal, who are facing, you know, who are going through a similar sort of upturning form. But it's hard not to be optimistic at the moment. James Justin's on his way back. He should be fit by November, end of November time. Um, so it's hard not to be positive right now. Hopefully we kick on from here, but two great wins. And, you know, I say, for the second week running, I am the happy one on this podcast. Yeah, um, absolutely. And as I said last week, I think it was about Kalechi dropping deep, coming and getting involved in the game because of his confidence. And he, he he did that for the second goal that won the game on the weekend. Um, Pats and Daka going from not scoring a goal in Europe for you to going to be your high scorer, I think, now in Europe this season. <laughs> um, and I think if I'd have said to you on the last podcast, between then and now, Pat Sandak is going to score four goals and get an assist. You'd have snapped my hand off. Um, so, yeah, you know, hats off to him. Uh, and Bueno, like you said, and Bueno had a chance. He didn't even hit the target in the Premier League. You've got to take him. You've got to score him because they don't come thick and fast like they do in the Championship. Uh, Tielemans, the, the hit, I mean, you know, the wow is the only word that describes that, really. Um, that was a joke. Uh, Ivan Tony. You know, you, you can see he's, he's street smart. You can see he's, he's football smart. He he was targeting Armati on a lot of his runs. He was he was trying to drag Armati out and play on Armati rather than the other two, uh, using that you know smart forward play. But you know it wasn't enough in the end. Uh, Schmeichel made a very good save in the first half as well. I think it was around the time of the Embueno chance where someone hit it over the head from a long throw. Uh, Zanka. You know, again, I thought it was a bit poor from Evans defensively on that and there was no one on the back post. I think he switched off there momentary on that and it cost you. But, you know, like you said, you know, you've got that willpower at the minute where, you know, you're going behind in games and you're finding a way to to get a result. Um, and, and you need that in the Premier League, uh, especially, you know, to, to compete in the in the manner in which you are in that top eight, top six spot that you, you aim for every year. Um yeah, it was a great result in Moscow. Uh, I believe it was on Tuesday, Wednesday, wasn't it? It wasn't on the normal Thursday. Yeah, Wednesday. Um, yeah, uh, and again, Arsenal, tough opposition. I, th I don't think they conceded a shot by half-time against Villa on Friday night uh, and had 14 to the good and could have been three or four up within 10, 15 minutes. So I think, yeah, it'll be a tough test. Uh, Brighton as well in the Cup. 
Um, but we'll we'll skip past the cup runs uh, for now. And uh, yeah, looking at the Arsenal game, I think you know it'll be a tough game. I, I can see I can see a score draw there. I, I, I fancy a two-two. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, for me, obviously, you guys have touched upon most of it. Um, grinding out ugly wins. If if you can do that, then then you're onto something because if you if you do hit some form or some confidence through doing it that way, um, especially the way that Brendan likes to have them playing, and when they when they click, and you know the like like you say you touched upon uh, James Justin coming back soon. Does he walk straight back in? I, I, I mean, I don't know. It, it's hard because, like you say, you've got, you've got Ricardo on one side. You've got the likes of Castagna as well that can play. You, you, you've got so much talent on your, on your wing-backs. You know, even you could stick all bright in there and he'd do a decent job. He's like he's like a, a younger version of James Milner. Um, but, yeah, going, going to the Spartak game, as I said, Daka, he's like, he's not, for me, Daka's the new Saka. That's what I said to you guys. I love Saka, but... Daka, he, he's come in. He's been very, very patient, wait, waiting for his chances. And um, you know, to be fair, Brendan's got it spot on. Using him in Europe, I think, is a, is a good way to get his confidence up going into the Premier League. Obviously, he's he's gradually built him up, and uh, obviously got his goal against his scrappy goal against Man United. But they all count, and then obviously going going to get four against Spartak. And again, it's not it's not an easy game to go out out to Russia. A long way to go um, after playing, you know, on the Saturday. Um, and to go and get four goals is incredible. Um, and then on to the Brentford game. I didn't obviously actually watch the game. I caught the highlights and whatnot. Um, I can't even remember what I predicted. I think I think I said a draw. Um, it's a very very tough place to go. Even Chelsea found that they only narrowly beat them. And you could argue that that, that Brentford were the better side against Chelsea. So Leicester knew what they were up against. As you said, high energy pressure. You know. You've just got no breathing space. Um, and to be fair, you could see why Tillemans played that one-touch pass right through because if you'd have taken a touch, he'd have probably had a man on him, so he probably wouldn't be able to have his second touch to knock it through. So it's very, very intelligent from him, I think, there. His goal was just unbelievable when, when I saw that on the highlights. I mean, I'd, I'd sort of seen that it was a good goal, but I didn't expect it to be anything like that. The way it just came out, and he absolutely... I'm surprised the camera caught up with it because it, he hit it so hard. because it, it Right in the top right-hand corner, it was it was a great strike. Um, obviously, pet back a little bit frail. I think he could have done a lot better for the uh, the Norgard goal. I think it was um, see that the header was flicked on, and obviously he got a touch on it, and got it past Casper. Um, you know, he can do anything about that, but showing great character and um, as you said, Casper with a long ball up, Kalechi holding it up. Uh, knocking it back to, to Tillemans, who, who knocked it through to Daco. who was very, very unselfish. You know, he could have could have kept up his scoring run and thought, you know, I, I want two and two in the Premier League and, and six in six in uh, three. But he was very unselfish, and, and James Madison needed that. He he, he played well, um, but he, he definitely needed a goal, hopefully to to fire him up. I mean, he was unlucky. He had a, a he had a long range shot as well, which is a decent save from Raya as well. Um, yeah, he looked like he's getting slowly back to his best, getting his fitness back up. Um, and I think he suits playing, like you say, behind a two in Ian Acho, who can hold it up and, and obviously lay it back off to him, who can pull the strings a little bit while Tillman sits a little bit deeper. And, and obviously, uh, you know, he can, he's a bit of a box to box. He can, he can play, he does everything. He's so good, Tillman. So for me, very, very good result. You'll take that all day long. Um, I think less, most Leicester fans would have taken a draw, if I'm honest, before. So to get the win even better. On to the Arsenal one. Uh, yeah, similar to Liam, I, th- I think it'll be a draw. Um, I don't think your record's that great against Arsenal either. I'm not sure. It, 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 you know, it's, been years, it's improved, but it was torrid before yeah. we won the league. Yeah, torrid. I don't think we'd ever beaten them. Yeah, they want. As I said, they're, they're one of them. Arsenal. I mean, they they weren't great against Palace, but obviously ended up getting something from the game, and then they they obviously absolutely demolished Villa. Um, you just don't know which Arsenal's going to turn up. If I'm honest with you, but they, again, like Leicester, they're in a bit of they, they picked up their form. Um, I'm going to go one-one. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. Dakar's going to get a goal. Um, I think. I think for Dakar and Saka, isn't he? Yeah, there he is. <laughs> 
No, I'm going to go, I'm going to go Dakar and uh, Aubameyang. I think it'll be 1-1. I think Leicester will take the lead. I think Arsenal peg him back. And I think, I think it'll be quite an end-to-end game. Um, both, you could argue, obviously, at times, especially this season, Leicester have obviously defensive issues with, with missing, you know, the likes of Fafana, Justin, Evans at times. And obviously, we know Arsenal's defence is at times very, very wayward. Um, even with Ben White in there and uh, their new right back, they could still be a little bit rash. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go 1-1. Um, and again, I think I think Leicester fans will take it, keep the keep the run going, keep the momentum going. Yeah, Max, yeah, your verdict for the game? Uh, actually, lads, I'm going to say an Arsenal win for this one. Um, and the only reason I say that is because I think they've benefited a lot from uh, no Europe and uh, the rest that they're going to have. And I think the, the game they're going to play is to frustrate uh, Leicester. I think they'll play into their hands massively. I'm going to say two one. To the Gunners, and I fancy for I don't know why, but I fancy Odegaard, Odegaard to get at least one, maybe both. Just a feeling I've got, I don't know why. Um, if we get our goal, I think we're too much, even though I am thinking about it. I'll go for Kalechi to, to uh to back the consolation. Um, I'll take a draw here. Um, head says draw, heart says defeat. As I said, our record isn't great against Arsenal. Um, I think they manage us very, very well. Like even uh, last season, we, they beat us 3-1 at our place. We scored early. Tielemans, funnily enough. And, but after that, they just ransacked us. They overloaded us, passed us off the park and beat us quite comfortably in the end. So I can see something very similar happening here. I think it's just one of those when Leicester play Arsenal. It's never quite as comfortable as a lot of people would expect despite the contrasting fortunes of the last 18 months, I think. Arsenal will be rubbing their hands with this. So, yeah, I'm going to do a first and say 2-1 to Arsenal. Just just a quick one, Max, regarding, uh, obviously, you just mentioned there that Arsenal obviously haven't got Europe. That they're in the they're in the EFL Cup as well. So, they, they've got Leeds on Tuesday at home. Um, so, so, again, it, again, a lot of it depends on the rotation. Are they going to rest quite a few and go, go with the young guns like they have done in the past? They're renowned for that in the Cup games. Yeah. Or are they going to try and try and think that that's their, probably their only realistic domestic cup that they can potentially go on and win I don't know yeah yeah potential I can see where you're coming from in that aspect to be honest hopefully he does play a lot of the first team players and hopefully a lot of them get COVID but you know <laughs> but only COVID that they get better from it I'll just say that I won't I won't wish ill on anybody but we'll see what happens I, I still think Arsenal will do it but um, maybe that's reverse psychology but maybe it's not we'll see what happens yeah, um, and moving swiftly on from uh, the highs of Leicester to the, the lows of Stoke City in recent times. Uh, three defeats on the spin for us now. Uh, Sheffield United, obviously, last week. And then since last week's pod, uh, Bournemouth in the midweek game, who, you know, showing that they're a class above. Uh, we've spoke about it since Zamora, the left-back, was phenomenal. Uh, no relation to Bobby, you'll be glad to know. Um, you know, the right back as well, Christie was was phenomenal. He was very active, very involved. And then the great balance between Kelly and Kale at centre half uh, epitomised how, how solid they are at the back. Uh, Dom Stalanke up front scoring and he also hit the bar. We also had the chance to hit the, uh, had a chance to hit the bar ourselves. But yeah, all in all, it was it was one of those games where you can kind of just sit back and go, do you know what? We didn't really have a plan B after Nick Powell went off injured, which was sad to see to a certain extent. But at the same time, sometimes you just got to hold your hands up and go, do you know what? They're the better team. They they haven't conceded an away goal now in over nine hours of football, which is unbelievable, uh, especially in the championship because of how thick and fast the games come and, and the difference between each team and how they're set up in regards to strikers. Uh, it's a lot different to the Premier League, I think. Um but yeah, there's some positives to come out of that. Obviously, the biggest one was Tyrese Campbell coming back. He had a chance, two chances. One of them I won't class as a chance. He just had a pop from 25, 30 yards, which was nice to see. And then um, another one which a fully fit Tyrese would have scored. Um, but yeah, moving on to Saturday, taking the lead again and throwing it away. It's becoming a common theme. Uh, Brown had a header at nil-nil, which he could have done better with. Uh, we looked very dangerous going down the left-hand side, Timon. Always causing, always causing problems. Him and Vrancic had a very good link-up, I think, on Saturday. Uh, Wilmot, though, caught 
uh, underneath the ball, probably on both goals, to be fair. Both goals similar to the goals that we can see at Sheffield United, all down that right-hand side. Wilmot obviously playing at right wing back this week because Smith pulled up in the in the warm-up, which was, I think, hard to settle, but, you know, it's not an excuse. Um, but, yeah, moving forward, you know, like I said, we've got the cup game this week in midweek. I'd like to see uh, the likes of Fletcher get some game time in Klukas just to build up fitness. Um, and, you know, hopefully Sawyers keeps his spot after his, his great hit on, on Saturday uh, for the game on the weekend against Cardiff. You know, they've lost eight games in a row now, so they're on a bit of a worse run than us. Uh, recently sat Mick McCarthy, though, which is a bit of a shame. I'd like to have uh, had him in charge still for that game, just to just while the morale's at, as low as it was. Um, but, you know, we're, we're 13 points off top now. Uh, it's a game that we need to win. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here, you know, expecting a expecting a, a win to nil. Kiefer Moore versus Harry Suter will be a great battle. Uh, one of the best battles you'll see championship-wise in regards to physicality this weekend. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to sit with a... I'm going to be positive. I'm going to go with a 2-0 Stoke and I, I'm going to go with a Tyrese goal on his return as well. Um, I don't know whether you guys caught any of the game on, on the Saturday. Um, yeah, I did. Well, to be fair, I had a lot of attention was paid to the Millwall one because I was very keen to see how you guys are getting on against them. And I do want to say what I say from... Uh, the Millwall keeper, is it Bialkowski? I don't even know how you pronounce his name. Yeah. Um, yeah. From, the, from the brown header. I think that sort of told you everything. I think he was just an inspired form in that instance. I think the threat Stoke posed overall um, was very good. And I think, you know, Sawyer's goal, you know, there was a deflection. I'm, I'm sure there was a deflection in there for, you know, goal to goal, it doesn't matter. I think, it's again, it's just something to build on. But I think it was just Bradshaw's goals, um, again, he just seemed to be on his own. There seemed to be a lack of organisation back there for me. Um, yeah. And I don't know what you put that down to because I think I've touched upon this in the past anyway. And I think I said that mistakes will happen, but I think it's how you learn from them. And I think it's again, it's just something that's not quite clicked for for Stoke. You know, Millwall now won four of the last five. Um, and it's hard times for Stoke at the moment because we know how quickly things can change in the championship because you've got the squad, you've got the basis there. And, you know, your early season form indicated this would carry on, to be honest. But I'm, I'm unsure as to why now we're talking about Stoke slipping into the bottom half when really before the Bournemouth game, you know, you guys are right up there. And yes, they're the best team in the league, Bournemouth, of course. But that defeat, I think, derailed you a little bit because I think if you'd have won that game... You, Instead of going like this, it would have been like this, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but that's not the case. Um, unlucky in some senses, but again, I think in training, Stoke now need to focus their time on reacting quickly to a transition, you know, attack defence, not defence to attack necessarily, but how you set up as a back three. You know, I know you guys like to play a back three. I've seen James Chester's played a few games recently as well. Maybe you said he was a fringe player. Coming into the team, I don't know if that's to you know sort of thrown something into the air or whatever else, but um, it's unfortunate. But I think it's something to keep in mind for uh, Stokes game of the weekend. Um, and hopefully, you guys get back on track. It's uh, it is Cardiff, isn't it? You did say Cardiff. Yeah, Cardiff at home. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can't see anything but a win, only because of Cardiff's torrid form. I know they sat Mick McCarthy and. They've lost, has it lost that last eight on yeah. the spin? That's just terrible, isn't it? Christ. The Man United of the uh, the championship. So I will go, I'll go 3 0 Stoke. I think it's a massive game. I think if you bounce back here, it'll, it'll, you, you'll go flying back up the table again. 3 0 Stoke. Yeah. Yeah. Stu? Um, yeah, I, I caught a bit of the Bournemouth highlights. Um, Strange, well, not strange, a rare error, should I say, from obviously Adam Davis for the Solanke goal. I know it was quite a, a, a wet pitch, obviously, it skidded up. Yeah. Uh, he obviously couldn't keep hold of it, but Solanke showing that he, he's potential for for a, a decent Premier League player if he can keep up his form. If they go up this season, what well, they should do the way they're going. I think he's got nine now for the season. Um, Onto the weekend, obviously, you start very well against Millwall. You know, when, when you took the lead, you, I mean, I predicted, I think, 2-1 win. I thought, you know, this, this is going quite well. I, I think this could be the case here. You know, Millwall come back at you a little bit, being the home side and whatnot. But 
yeah, first half hour or so, you controlled it. And um, I, I don't really know what, what went wrong, but, you know, you could argue both goals defensively. You could have done a lot better. Yes, you were missing, obviously, Wilmot in the, in the middle rather than on the right. Like you say, it could have unsettled the balance a little bit of the back three slash five. Um, yeah, it's, it's a tricky one. I think maybe there needs to be a little bit of bit more rotation. Like you say, Klukas hasn't been starting games of late. I know, I know, you could argue don't change the side that's been winning and playing well. But obviously, like you say, you've lost your last three now. Is it time to potentially? rotate a little bit, you know, is it, is it fresh legs that are needed? Just to, you know, add the competition a little bit, like, like say, Klukas, your Fletchers, your Campbells now that are coming back as well, just to sort of aid each other on, so to speak, really. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be too concerned. The championship's so tight. I know we were talking about it the other day, the fact that, like, Birmingham are down in 18th, I think it's something ridiculous, and they've only won four games all season. Yeah, they're only five points off the playoffs. It's it's just unbelievable. Yet yeah, Stoke could lose the last the next two, um, and teams below them could win, and they could find themselves, you know, sixteenth or below. It's it's absolutely crazy. Um, but I wouldn't I wouldn't worry about it too much. Like you say, I know you got Cardiff and then Blackpool. I think. Um, however, going on to the Cardiff game, obviously sacked Mick McCarthy. I actually watched their game against uh, Middlesbrough, and they were, I think they were actually worse than what Man United were against Liverpool yesterday. They were atrocious. Um, absolutely atrocious. Middlesbrough carving them apart every time they were going forward, to be honest. Um, actually, I've actually predicted 1-1. More for the sake that, obviously, they've sat Mick McCarthy and Terry Connor's gone. Um, and the fact that they've lost eight on the spin. I'll just The run's got to end. And I, I actually think it's going to be a 1-1. <laughs> um, but then I think you'll go on, and I know we'll talk about it next week and that, but I think you'll go on and beat Blackpool away. Like, as I say, I say it every week, typical Stoke. They, they do it the hard way. But uh, yeah, yeah, I'm going 1-1. Okay. I'm, I'm going to be controversial 1-1. Yep, no, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. Um, well, seeing as you've just blown mine and Max's mind, I'm going to bring you back to the trivia question that blew your guy's mind. Uh, uh-huh. Do you have an answer uh, before we wrap up this episode on the player that scored 53 goals all inside the penalty area. I'll give you two shouts at quick fire. Oh, God. Um, uh, uh, oh, Jesus Christ. Former um, Man United and one of the Premier League club. He didn't score many for the other Premier League club, if any. Oh, my God. I can't think. Louis Sahar. No. It's a good guess, though. Uh, I don't know. You know, I've played for them. Um, oh, Jesus Christ. I was going to say David Beckham. What's wrong with me? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I give up, mate. Okay. It is Chikorito Hernandez. With oh, 53. oh, no. Of course it is. Of course yeah. oh. One of them was a backheader against Stoke at the Brit. I, was was, two I remember that. There. Good goal, that is. That's and the goal that did get mentioned was Tunchai's that was outside the box on his weak foot into the top corner right in front of me. But yeah, it was Shikari on 53. So Fantonio back this weekend, he levels that. Honestly, I don't know how we've not got him. We, we've done it. I think we had a, a little stat on Shikari before and we somehow we just completely forgot about him. I know. What a anyway, anyway, thanks all for listening. Um, don't forget to follow us on Trevor Kind on Twitter and subscribe if you like and drop us a comment on any feedback or what answers you got on the trivia. Take care, guys.